Broadcasting live from the Annex Wealth Management Mobile Studio at the Wisconsin State Fair, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. With all due respect, I reject your theory completely. But you know what? There needs to be some backlash to this. This would be disastrous. There really has to be a better way. And I think the biggest question here is, what the hell is going on? The Accurate Mortgage Talk and Text Line is open now. Give Jeff a call at 414-799-1620. Roof for President. Get in the race. Will he run? And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome to the program. We are broadcasting live from the State Fair. We have a huge crowd. All right. Okay. I'm telling you, it is a huge crowd out here today. And I, I say this. Look, I've been doing this here for WTMJ 21, 22 years or something. I will tell you, the people that, that show up like you guys do for my program, by far and away the best-looking crowds that we draw at WTMJ. No no, you know, no, no doubt about it. See, no, no doubt. And, and here, here's my favorite. Okay, there's a gentleman in the front row here. All right, check out check out the cow hat. I mean, that's got to be. See, everyone wants to see the cow hat. It's kind of like, I'm not exactly. It's a baseball hat, and... It's got cow eyes and cow ears and a big old cow nose on the top. Uh, pig. Oh, it's a pig. It's not a cow. I'm sorry. It's a pig. Oops. All right. I apologize to all the pigs out there that I, <laughs> I thought it was a cow. All right. <laughs> okay. Well, there you go. See, that's uh, just you learn new stuff at the State Fair all the time. Hey, I, I'm a little bit misty-eyed because this is my second last day here. It's, I, had, I had a friend of mine in high school. And he always used to use the word penultimate. Now, why you would say penultimate? Penultimate, penultimate, penultimate means second last. He'd always say it's the penultimate test or whatever. Okay, this is my second last day at the fair, and I can't come out here this weekend because all right, th- this is this is what I am doing this weekend in Seymour, Wisconsin. Seymour, Wisconsin, claims to be the home of the hamburger. They claim to have originated the hamburger. And, all right, see, we're getting thumbs up there. Okay, so <clears throat> they, they have a hamburger fest in, in Seymour, Wisconsin. Um, so you might say, okay, Jeff, that's interesting, but why are you going? Well, the deal is this. My wife's uh, daughter, so my, my stepdaughter, her husband, Darren, is from Seymour. His parents great people jim and nancy they are very very active in hamburger fest including the fact that they apparently they make like a 300 pound hamburger or something like that this enormous thing and and jim my stepdaughter's father-in-law he's, he's one of the guys that bakes it now darren participates so my wife has been wanting to go there year after year after year and she finally you know retired from she was in the hospitality industry and could never get off on saturdays so tomorrow after the state fair i'm going to go pick her up and then we're heading out to seymour and i i'm saying okay what exactly is going to happen at this thing and apparently they have they have hot air balloon rides that you know you you can take on friday night and then on saturday in addition to the giant hamburger they have things like the Bun Run, B-U-N, the Bun Run. Don't know if I'm going to do that. Um, they also have the, the ketchup slide, where I, it looks to me like it's a giant slip and slide that they put condiments on, and then you go just run and slide down it. I can pretty much guarantee you I am not going to be doing that. But but that's I can't come out to the fair, at least on, on Friday night and on Saturday, because we're going to be taking in Hamburger Fest. And I, I'm just, there will be pictures, if you follow me on Twitter, at JeffWagner620, there will be pictures... <clears throat> Of, of Hamburger Fest. But see, I can't enjoy Hamburger Fest completely because this might be too much information. But um, Monday, I'm not doing the show because 
I, I've been getting beat up by my doctor and my wife and my friends, um, so I'm overdue for one of those those colonoscopy things. So that's Monday. So it, it's kind of like the the weekend. You get all these different instructions about stuff you can eat and stuff you can't eat. So I'm. It is very apparent to me that I'm not going to be in, able to enjoy the the full. The, the full parameters of Hamburger Fest tomorrow, or I'm going to be paying for it, you know, on, on Sunday when I have to take all that stuff. But we will get through. The State Fair, uh, I was just talking off the air to Kathleen O'Leary, who is the CEO of the State Fair, um, doing extremely well. They have been really blessed with just great weather. You know, last night I think they had to close a little bit early because you had those monster storms moving through. But in general, I think people have been having a, a great time. And for everybody who's out here, okay, you guys having fun at the State Fair, huh? All right, there <laughs> this lady's whistling. I love it. <laughs> I, just, I just absolutely love it. Yeah, it's um, it's just, and you know, so many years. What happens at the fair is, especially at this time of year, you will have a couple days where you get, you know, heavy rainstorms, and, and that hasn't happened. I know it rained hard last night, but that was towards the end of the evening. In addition, you will have some days where it just gets so incredibly hot that people just don't want to come out. And it's funny, if you talk to organizers at the fair, what they'll tell you is it's the heat. I mean, heat is what keeps people away. Um, they'll, they'll come out sometimes in the rain. They don't mind being a little bit chilly, but heat is where people stay away. All right, we have a lot of ground to cover on today's program. Let's get started. I, I want to over over the course of the last you know week or so after the horrible situations last weekend the thing that happened in Dayton with the shooting the stuff that happened in El Paso uh, again we're having these these constant conversations about what if anything can we do to stop this stuff from happening again and one of the frustrations I think a lot of us have is the reality that there, there's not that much, you know, we, we can do. That's just everybody would like to find, you know, certainly no pun intended, this magic bullet, this solution that you could solve all these type of things. And the problem is in this country nowadays, there's just there's limitations on it. You know, you talk about these red flag laws to either, you know, in, in temporarily incarcerate or to take firearms away from people who are dangerously mentally ill. I, I think most people should support that. That makes sense. The problem is it's really tough to prove that until somebody acts out in, in a fashion. You know, so that's part of the problem we have. But everybody comes up with different ideas. And the idea that's being thrown around a lot and the idea that's being polled on now is essentially the, the concept that, all right, it is time to eliminate certain types of firearms from our society. Matter of fact, there is a poll that I have in front of me right now, political morning, political morning consult poll, found that 70 percent of all voters would back a ban support legislation banning assault style weapons seven out of ten and 90 percent of democrats and like 60 percent of republicans and so i mean the story about this is of course president trump says yesterday well i don't see us moving towards a ban because i don't think there's an appetite for it and the headlines are no no there's an incredible appetite for it all right i want to have a an honest and candid conversation about this see here is the reality depending on what what numbers you look at there are somewhere between 10 on the low end to 20 million of these, you know, whether it's the AK-47s or the AR-15s or whatever, the, these semi-automatic rifles that, that are out there. 
they're again some they, they don't since most places don't require registration it's tough to get an accurate count so i was i spent about a half hour last night trying to figure out you know what's an accurate number and and like i say on the low side some people say 10 million on the high side people say you know 20 million but the bottom line is there's a whole lot of these things that are out there that are owned by private citizens and of course the reality is the vast majority of these the 99.999% of them they they're used for you know hunting they're used for target shooting they're owned by collectors they're not used as weapons of mass destruction in major shootings however it, it's true that when there is a major shooting an overwhelming percentage of the time, those firearms will be the firearms of choice. Not always, but they'll be the firearms of choice. But in any event, 10 to 20 million people own these firearms. Our number is 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. What frustrates me about this conversation is these pollsters will go out and they'll say, well, do you think we should we should ban you know th- this particular type of gun? All right. And people say, yeah, well, I think we should. Well, that really doesn't solve the problem, because the problem is even if you were to say, OK, we are going to ban um, any future manufacturer of these type of firearms. Right. What do you do with the 10 to 20 million that are already in circulation? Are we because we're concerned with the small number of crazed shooters who use these firearms when they go out to shoot up a Walmart or to shoot up a bar in Dayton, Ohio. All right, if you're going to be effective, it's not just saying, okay, let, let's ban the manufacturer of these guns. It seems to me you have to be talking about flat out going out and confiscating them. All right, so that's really the question. You know, would you support confiscation of people's firearms, if they fit the assault weapon description, however you want to define it. I mean, the reality is, I mean, it, it, it just by simply saying, okay, we're going we're gonna to ban the further manufacture of these, to me that doesn't solve anything if you've got 10 to 20 million of these that are out in society. So let's ask what is the real fundamental question. Do you support confiscating people's firearms if they fit under the, the definition of a semi-automatic assault weapon? 414-799-1620, that is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I mean, I, I think there's some things that we should all be able to reasonably agree on when it comes to quote-unquote gun control issues. I know some of my friends who have NRA ties disagree with me. I don't understand why a private citizen needs a, a magazine that has 100 shots so you can fire off 100 rounds without reloading. I, I don't think people need to have that, and I don't think the Second Amendment necessarily protects that. But that's different than saying, okay, you own one of these types of firearms, we are now going to take it from you. 414-799-1620, that's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Would you support confiscation of these type of, quote-unquote, assault rifles? Because that's the only way you're going to solve the problem if, 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 if then. Okay. Gru is back at the station lining up the calls. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be back with more in just a minute. This is Jeff Wagner. We're broadcasting live from the Wisconsin State Fair. This is Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. We are broadcasting live from the Wisconsin State Fair. Before we go to the calls, okay, here, here's a, 
Here's a text. Jeff, you don't feel that anyone needs to have a high-capacity magazine. Since when are constitutional rights uh, meted out on a need basis? What if I don't feel that I need to hear your opinion on a radio show? That's your First Amendment right, but uh, what if I feel you don't need it? Okay, well, constitutional rights are not absolute. I mean, newsflash, let's talk about the First Amendment. There are all sorts of limitations on that. The government for example, which regulates the airwaves, says on public airwaves there are words that I cannot say. So, I mean, there's not an absolute right to free speech, um, you know, because, again, the the government limits that. They make the decision that there's certain words, as George Carlin found out, that you can't say on TV or radio. um, So it's not absolute. You can't scream fire in a crowded theater. As to the Second Amendment, people need to realize it's not absolute. We don't let people own bazookas. We don't let people own tanks. You're only allowed to own a, a machine gun, for example, through a very detailed permit process with approval. So things aren't absolute. So I guess that that's that's my point on all this. And I think if people want to be absolutists about it, that's a tough way. That's a tough road to, to hoe because um, it, no no constitutional amendment is absolute. Four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. Doug in St. Francis. Doug, you're first. Good afternoon. Hey, good uh, good afternoon. Thanks for taking my call. Hi, Doug. You, sure. You know, I'm a I'm a sportsman, right? I have more firearms than a, one person should really actually have or need, quite frankly. But I use them. Mm-hmm. I hunt. I sport shoot, and I've you know I've collected them from generations within our family. I struggle with confiscation because I think confiscation will be the first domino to fall. What mm-hmm. I would recommend is that the manufacturing of new assault rifles or the sale, private or public, are banned. So in other words, if you have one already, fine, you can keep it, but you can't sell it. It's got to be within your family, and if you pass away, that gun passes away with you unless you pass it down to someone in your family. I think. Oh, so you would support, and your, your, your perspective as a collector and somebody who owns the, these types of firearms, you wouldn't oppose the government saying that you can't get rid of them. You're not able to sell them or transfer them outside your family. That, that's absolutely correct, because as far as the need, if you're a sportsman and you think you need to take more than one or two shots at a deer, then you're not a real sportsman. You, you don't need mm-hmm. these types of weapons. So in other words, if well, how did you? Why why did you get them in the? I'm just curious. Why did you get them in the first place? Then no, no, I don't. I don't have that type of a of a weapon. Okay, got, all right, know, got long it. Long barrel, single shot. Okay, you know, rifles. Got it. Semi-automatic shotguns. Got it. Only Understood. Five slugs, right? Yeah. Right. Right. No. Okay. Interesting. Thanks for call, Doug. I mean, that see, that's an interesting thing. I mean, maybe that's kind of this compromise. But again, that's. I guess my my question would be: Is that fair? to the 10 to 20 million, depending on what study you look at, people who own these type of firearms, and like I say, the the overwhelming majority of them, 99.9999%, don't use them in an illegal fashion. I mean, is it fair to them to say, okay, you know, we're, we're not going, we're going to take your gun away, or we're going to prevent you from selling your firearm or from transferring it outside your family? I just, I just don't see that as being a practical response. That's why, when we talk about these things, it's one thing to say it in theory, but I mean, I guess my question is to those 10 or 20 million people that own this type of firearm, if the government comes around and says, says you have 60 to 90 days to surrender your gun, 
what you know what what's going to happen and if people don't surrender their firearms at that point in time what what are we going to do are we going to charge them criminally i mean you you know are are we going to put people in prison for doing that are we going to say okay well felon in possession of a firearm that's a felony you go to prison for 5 or 10 years so what we're going to do is we're going to say okay now somebody in a possession of a i don't know a gun that's otherwise been legal that's going to be a crime. Four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. Dave in St. Francis. Dave, you're on WTMJ. Hello. I think a better route. I think if you say you're going to confiscate, that's just a bad idea because it makes people on the right crazy. They unrealistically think we're going to come into their homes. Oh my God. So I think a better route would be buyback. And I'll tell you how I think they should fund it. I think they should buy back because a lot of people have bought them. I think tried them out. They used them a little. Hey, I don't really need that anymore. I think they should fund it through insuring insurance. I think if you have a gun, you ought to have to insure it. Period. You have to. Have, okay. You, have to, you ought to. You have to insure an, an automobile to drive. You have one gun. It's two hundred dollars a year. If you got six guns, if you got whatever, it could be thousands of dollars. If you want to own a gun, it's selfish. You have to have the responsibility. And you have to insure it. Okay, let me ask you this. Okay, let's let's go with your idea. Let's say you you've got this buyback program that's out there. Um, do you think if if our purpose for going down this route, the reason we're doing this is we're prov- trying to stop the the psychopath who's going to use it as an instrument of mass murder? We're going to try to stop that. Okay, if we do a guy, gun buyback program, I guess who is it that's going to be participating? Is it going to be that psychopath, or is it going to be I don't know the the seventy nine year old widow whose husband passed away and she doesn't want it anymore? Well, you know, you bring up you bring up a good point, but here's another fact, a big fact. A lot of these guns get into circulation from people's homes being robbed. And while this mm-hmm. person might be a responsible gun owner, I hear that all the time, what about the person that goes in there and he robs them and he finds, he, he comes to my house, he's going to find a 55-inch television set. That's it. <laughs> right. He knows if he goes to another house, he might find a, a stash of guns. They might be in a locked gun cabinet. All he's got to do is carry that thing out. Now all of a sudden these guns are all in circulation. All right. Thanks for the call. I guess I don't, off the top of my head, I mean, I... the, I, I, again, when this is when I when I say these things, I, I'm generalizing. My sense is the majority of the firearms. When I think back about the most recent shootings um, that involved these type of firearms that we're talking about, the majority of them, at least to my way of thinking, they, they weren't guns that were stolen. They were guns that were legally obtained by people who were allowed to do it. Now, I'm not saying that there aren't any of those situations. I guess that I. I'm just wondering, I mean, a government-sponsored buyback program to get some of them off the streets, I just wonder how effective that would be if our goal is to stop mass shootings. Hey, um, this is a very current and topical topic. A lot of people want to weigh in. We're going to continue for this for at least one more segment. If you're on the line, please hold on. This is Jeff Wagner. Back to Take Your Calls. Here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. We're broadcasting live. It's the second Thursday of the Wisconsin State Fair. Just out during the break, got a chance to say hi to lots of people who stop by and watch it. Look, and, and I also I want to I understand that even if you were able to you know, wave a magic wand and eliminate all firearms from society, 
what you're not going to be able to do as a practical matter. I understand that, you know, that that doesn't mean that you wouldn't have people who were able to engage in mass killings. For example, I mean, remember the story out of Nice, France, not that long ago, where the guy gets the car or the truck or whatever and drives through a farmer's market, you know, plowing into people, you know, on the street. I mean, there's always going to be these opportunities, I guess. I, I, the thing that's being thrown around now is okay. Well, we need to we need to ban assault white ri- rifles. If you're just joining us, let me reset this quickly. There are there are ten to twenty of these military style firearms in in private people's hands in the United States alone. My point is, you're not going to be able, as a practical matter, let's put aside the Second Amendment, you're not going to be able to confiscate these. People aren't going to turn them in, and if they don't turn them in, what are we going to do? Are we going to say that everybody doesn't turn one in, we're going to prosecute you criminally, we're going to put you in jail, we're going to treat you like you're a felon? I just don't see that as a practical way of dealing with the situation. Now, that's not to say that you can't do certain things, and I understand I'm irritating some of you, <laughs> I might be irritating you when I say that I don't, I, I, when I see these high capacity magazines, you know, these firearms that are capable of firing a hundred rounds without reloading, I, I have issues with that. I, I do. I don't think you, I don't think sportsmen need it. I don't think target shooters need it. Now, does that mean that, okay, all somebody has to do, I understand you can have a, a magazine that has 10 shots in it, 10 rounds in it, and it takes you like a second or two to reload. I understand all that. And so, again, I'm not saying that any of these solutions that we're talking about are going to stop that, you know, point zero 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 one percent of the psychos out there who might want to engage in these types of acts of violence. But I do think, you know, the general public I, sits there and says, okay, well, why do you need 100 or be able to shoot 100 rounds without reloading? Mike in Milwaukee. Mike, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Yeah, Jeff, I was just telling you a screener. I think maybe we're looking at this from the wrong end. Uh, why don't you just treat the ammunition like a, a controlled drug uh, rather than put restrictions on the manufacture and sale of it? So how would you well, how tell me how that would work as well, a practical matter? Through your gun stores, you, you can only buy the ammunition through uh, licensed gun stores, and uh, and uh, of course you you could always regulate the manufacturer. That's what they don't want. They don't mm-hmm. want the manufacturers don't want to uh, be restricted in their uh, manufacture and sales of that. But uh, so would you put a limit on the number of, for example, rounds well, that somebody could buy? The store and he, he starts buying. Uh, 16 to 20 boxes of uh, 2.23, uh, 0.223 uh, ammunition. Right. Uh, shouldn't that excite some suspicion? Well, I mean, so you, you, would you ban them from being able to do that, or would you say that they have to report it? I'm just kind of curious. I'm curious. Well, yeah, well, that can be hashed out in by the legislatures, but uh, uh, right. it's, you, you, sh- you know, I don't expect anybody to go tromping through people's private homes and confiscating their weapons. That's that's police state stuff. Uh, but right. you, you, the gun without the ammunition or with only a limited amount is just a, of, of, of limited use. You know, If you need it as a club, right. you'd be better off with a baseball bat. Mike, thanks for the call. I appreciate you joining us. Um, I guess I, it's kind of I, – I mean, I, 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 don't know, I don't know that that solves the, the problem. Uh, again, I, and that's what part of the frustration. I'm not sure anything that we're talking about. I'm not sure that there is really a solution to this problem, unless you would wave a magic wand and say, "Okay, we're going to mo- remove all sorts of all the firearms that are out there in private hands, not just the AR-15s or the AK-47s. We're just going to get rid of all of them." And, and that's just not a practical sort of solution. I do agree that 
if you have somebody who's buying thousands and thousands and thousands of rounds of ammunition, and and, and look, I, the vast majority of people do this. There is a legitimate purpose for it. They're they're they're, they're they like to target shoot, and so they you know they, they do that. They stockpile the stuff because they go through all sorts of rounds when they do it. So I'm not saying that that's automatically something I think people shouldn't be able to do. If you want to say, is that a red flag that maybe you know if you buy X number of rounds, it's at least something that there's some notification and maybe somebody asks what you want to do with it. I, I don't know. i got to think that one through. I'm not sure that's going to solve the problem. Brad on the south side. Brad, you're on WTMJ. Yeah, I, I don't think that uh, confiscation will go too well, just the way on how society is. And I think the last time right. when they had the assault ban in 94, if I remember correctly, that if you had one, you had to keep it. And you had to stay within the family, like a guy said before, you couldn't sell it or nothing. So you're kind of like grandfathered in. And as far as the rounds go, I could be wrong here, but I think you can only purchase so many, so many rounds at one time. So yeah, I, I guess I'm, I'm not positive on that either. Okay, but but you would support no more manufacture of guns. So meaning nobody that has that doesn't have one could obtain one in the future. And if you have one, you wouldn't be able to sell it. You could only like give it to your kids or your grandkids or something like that. Yes, I'm I'm for having I'm I'm for having these weapons. I have one myself, and I would be okay with if they completely stopped making them. I mean, there's a, one thing too is a lot of guys from the service when they get when they get out they get they get one. Sure. I think probably about eighty percent of the people that were in my platoon have one. Sure. Oh, oh, yeah. So, I, I, absolutely. And, and that's why. And th- I mean, I think it is also important to say that the uh, again, the, it, the, the, this particular firearm gets a lot of attention because it's used in one of these horrific things like, uh, again, in what happened in El Paso. But the, the overwhelming almost everyone that's out there, almost everyone is used for legitimate purposes, whether it's hunting or target shooting or collecting or whatever that does get lost in the conversation. Yeah, primarily it's yeah. target shooting, but I think a lot of people often sure. get these just in case society collapses. I mean, who's to say what's going to happen if, you know, I mean, uh, hacking a, you know, uh, electric, the electrical grid or something like that and society collapses or, the, you know, government falls apart or, I mean, I'm not talking about apocalypse mm-hmm. stuff. I'm talking about just, you know, pure chaos. I mean, look at Watts, you know, during the riots after, uh, the Rodney King thing. I mean, there was, there, the, uh, people mm-hmm. on top of those, Stores protecting their stores with these weapons. Yeah, no, right. Thanks, Nicole. I, I get it. I don't. I mean, I, I. I just hope it. I certainly hope it never gets to to that kind of point. Mike on the northwest side. Mike, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Yeah. Hey. Good afternoon, Jeff. Uh, Hi, I'm Mike. A deer hunter, and uh, I. I'm. I'm a pretty good shot, so I can get a running deer with one shot, maybe two sometimes. Seldomly two, but most of the time one. If I need a hundred rounds, I'm going to quit. And uh, I just don't know why people need 100 rounds. Uh, it's just not making any sense to me at yeah. all. And I don't yeah, get it's, it at all. Yeah, and, it, and again, I, I don't know that that's going to necessarily stop stuff. But it's it, it's sort of like the guy. Mike, thanks a lot for the call. We're getting a little bit of feedback there. I, thanks for the call. I mean, it's kind of like... And again, I, I know there were people I irritated when I said this after the shooting in Las Vegas. The guy that you know went up to the thirty fifth or thirty seventh floor at Mandalay Bay and just started shooting down at, at the people who were attending that music festival. All right, he had he had a firearm that was legal. 
you are not allowed in this country to leak. You're not. It's not legal to own machine guns, a machine gun, unless you know you, you've got a special permit and you've gone through this huge background thing. All right. So you, you can't just go into a firearm store and buy a a machine gun, meaning a a firearm that just essentially fires. You pull the trigger once and it keeps shooting until all the bullets are gone. Well, what he had done is he had one of these things called a bump stock, and, and now President Trump has banned them by executive order. But the way these bump stops stocks operated was for 25 or 30 or 40 bucks, you could take a legal firearm, you could put this thing on, and without going into too many details, you're getting too far into the weeds, you could turn a legal firearm into an illegal firearm. You could make it fire essentially like a machine gun. And it never made any sense to me that, you know, average citizens should be able to buy this thing to convert a legal firearm into something that they would not otherwise be able to buy. And that's why I supported, I'm sorry, Congress didn't do it, but I supported the president with his executive order saying we're we're not going to sell these things anymore. I guess that's kind of where I would start. I don't think gun confiscation is a reasonable thing. I I just don't. Um, I think as a starting point, Again, you want to kind of tinker around the edges and look at this and say, okay, these high-capacity magazines, do they really serve a purpose? And, you know, in the interest of public safety, just like we say to people, you you can't you can't own a, a, a suppressor, a silencer, again, unless you've gotten a permit and you've jumped through all these hoops, you know, is that something that we should say you don't need one of these high-capacity magazines um, maybe you make it something that you need to have a permit for or something like that. I, I do think we need to take a look at some of those things. And in having this conversation, believe me, I understand that the biggest problem we have out there with this is you have you have these psychos who, you know, act out in this fashion. You know, the guy in the guy in uh, El Paso who's just a, a full blown nutcase who leaves this, you know, white supremacist's you know, manifesto behind himself behind. I mean the, the the guy's a nut. The guy in Dayton who's the opposite of the guy in uh, El Paso, you know, he's apparently some left wing kook and I, who knows what was motivating him to engage in the shooting that he did. So I understand the basic problem that you have is you have mentally ill people who act out in these ways. At the same time, I, I do think we have to be reasonable moving forward and saying, all right, do you need high-capacity magazines? Just like, do you need a bump stock that converts a rifle into a machine gun? And I think most people would say, nah, probably not. This is Jeff Wagner. We're broadcasting live from the Wisconsin State Fair. Stick around. Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. We're back broadcasting live from the Wisconsin State Fair. There are just so many things in this world that I I do not understand. And this story about the latest story about Twitter is one of them. We are grappling in our society nowadays with how we deal with social media and how do you deal with hate speech. And, for example, the the guy that was involved in the shooting in El Paso, he posted his manifesto up on some, you know, weird website. And there's questions about, you know, should, should those websites even be able to exist anymore? And then you had some of the servers, they decided to take them down. And, and, and so we wrestle with this, how do you deal with, with some of the whacked out hate hatred that's out there. And I'm not just talking about on the right. I'm talking about on the left. I'm talking about the crazies that are out there. How do you deal with that in a free society where you do, in fact, have free speech? And so you have some of these social media sites that are trying to deal with this. Well, in in my opinion, Twitter, and I'm on Twitter. You can follow me at Jeff Wagner 620 got this one completely and totally wrong. So here's the deal. Mitch McConnell, who is the Republican from Kentucky, he's the, the Senate leader. 
All right. Now, Mitch McConnell has been the target of a lot of people on the kook left because, you know, Mitch McConnell's the guy that runs the Senate. He's been the guy that's been pushing through, you know, appointments that President Trump has made to the court, et cetera, et cetera. And he's viewed as a blockage. Well, you know, if, if Mitch McConnell would let stuff come to the floor, all these great things that are being done, you know, in the in the House of Representatives, they, they would take over. So what happens the other day? And McConnell has been confronted by some of these protest groups on multiple occasions. So what happened the other day is that you have a group of these kook protesters who go out to his house in Kentucky. Now, McConnell broke his shoulder. He fell down broke his shoulder. So he's kind of convalescing, but he's at his house. So these people show up outside his house and start screaming. And and so what happens is his campaign staff, the McConnell people, they start videotaping this. There's one person who's screaming that he should die. Um, let's see. This is, there's this person yelling, this is, I can't say this word on TV, on radio, this is Blank's house. He's in there nursing his little broken arm. He should have broken his little raggedy, wrinkled, I can't say that word on the radio, just stab the, I sure can't say that r- word on the radio, in the heart, please. So you have these people screaming that McConnell should be killed. They're shouting death threats, etc., etc. And so they're videotaped doing this. So what happens then is on, on Mitch McConnell's Twitter site, his Twitter feed, they post this video. Now, these are, these are people who are outside this man's house, and he's a U.S. senator, who are screaming that they think he should be stabbed in the heart, he thinks he should be killed. They're screaming all these obscenities about him. They're screaming death threats, so they post it. Well, Twitter has now suspended Mitch McConnell's Twitter account for posting video of the protesters' violent threats against them. They've said, no, no, we're not going to reinstate you until you take this down. At which point it's kind of like, well, well, wait a second. Twitter says, well, our policy says that a tweet may not threaten violence against an individual or a group of people. Well, of course, McConnell's tweets aren't threatening violence against a group of people. McConnell is the victim. He is saying, look, this is what people are doing. This is a video of people outside my house. They're threatening to stab me in the heart. They're threatening to kill me. They're cursing at me. They're making these death threats. And you're telling me, Twitter, that I cannot share this with the world so the world can see how crazy at least, you know, some of these people who oppose me are. And Twitter's like, yes, well, you know, we don't allow tweets that threaten violence against an individual. Well, Mitch McConnell's the victim, for goodness sakes. Again, this, to me, shows just how absolutely, totally, 100% screwed up Twitter is on issues like this, where somebody is the subject of death threats themselves, they have evidence of it, they videotape it, and Twitter says, we're not going to let you post information showing that you have been threatened because our policies say, well, we don't allow tweets that threaten violence against an individual. Well, I'm the victim. I'm the one that's being threatened. Twitter, completely and totally in the wrong on this. They're screwed up. And I I also, I mean, I understand for people who think that, well, that, that social media is biased against people who are conservatives or people on the right. I, I don't. When Twitter does stuff like this, they just play into that attitude. And whatever you think about Mitch McConnell, if he's getting death threats and he videotapes them, I think he should have the right to show people what's going on outside his house. Okay, I am. Uh, let's take a quick break. When we come back, uh, we got a lot of stuff, including 600 protesters in Milwaukee yesterday. My question is going to be. 
Folks, are you for real? We'll discuss that in just a couple minutes. Don't go anywhere. We're broadcasting live from the Wisconsin State Fair. This is Jeff Wagner. It's 1256. Broadcasting live from the Annex Wealth Management Mobile Studio at the Wisconsin State Fair, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome back to the show. Broadcasting live from the State Fair. As always, an attractive crowd. Give yourselves a round of applause there, everybody. All right. That's okay. We, we, we. I, I, I kid around, but, you know, there's people out there that do not believe that we landed on the moon in 1969 and th- that the whole thing was fake. And I always like to do that just so people realize that, you know, we're, we really are broadcasting from the, the state fair. And a number of people were stopping by. I just got a chance to talk to some folks who, no, we like you, but we know your wife, you know. And that, that, I get that a lot, you know. It's kind of like, yeah, we, we like you, Jeff. We listen and all. But your wife, she's really special. And she is really special. There's no question about that. Uh, we've got a couple more days at the fair. I'm here till 3 o'clock today by the way this is um it's it's always i understand we've got another well certainly another month of summer and then if you look at the calendar i mean technically maybe another seven or eight weeks but there's always something about the state fair winding down that to me kind of signifies maybe it's we're getting summer's not over but we're getting near the end of summer and uh another one of those indicators are uh, green bay packers tonight is the first exhibition game and you will be able to hear it here on wtmj um as you can hear all the different games it'll be great to hear you know wayne and larry back once again john mccure is going to be in from three to four and then i think our, our packers pregame coverage kicks in there but uh the brewers have done us a favor today they're, they're off so you know we don't have a conflict issue and then they're back uh, big series against the Texas Rangers. Every time you write the Brewers off, they, they come back and they win three games against Pittsburgh. And the bottom line is you wish you could play Pittsburgh every day, but unfortunately it does not work out that way. All right. There was a story yesterday, and I, I, I followed it in a couple news stories, and that was fine. But last night I was watching one of the news stations. I think it might have been Channel 12. And, and I saw them interviewing some of the people that were involved in this particular thing. And I admit my reaction was, what planet are you on? All right. And it says yesterday, about 600 people, primarily members of the Evangelical Lutheran Church of America and Vochas de la Frontera. Vochas de la Frontera is the sort of um, like the immigrant rights organization. They show up, they do protests all, all the time. They're, they're a group that supports essentially open borders. So yesterday, this group, mostly Evangelical Lutheran Church of America, who apparently are here for some convention or something like that, I think, and Vochas de la Frontera, they ended up um, marching to the Homeland Security Office, and they were there to protest U.S. immigration policies, okay? Um, and the Lutheran group carried copies of their position on immigration policy, which is essentially, they say, the well-being and safety of children, including ensuring family unit and reunification must be a priority. Therefore, we commit ourselves to an ongoing struggle for just immigration policies. Right. Now, I thought that was interesting because I thought, okay, what, what does that mean, just immigration policies? Then I was watching TV and I saw a woman, you know, who's part of this group. She said, here's the deal. She said, we think that anybody who comes to this country asking for asylum should be granted asylum. And, and that, that's, and let me translate this. This is open borders. 
This is saying anybody who comes into this country who says they want to come into this country for any reason, I am seeking asylum, it should, should be granted asylum. So, again, no limitations at all on people coming into the country. All right. Our number is 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I, I admit, just like in the last hour of the program, we were talking about like like rational and real-world solutions. And, and for all these people who want to, you know, ban assault rifles, I, I just, I don't see, unless you're going to seriously talk about confiscation, which I don't think is a reasonable thing, to me that that's a non-starter. But there are these people, including 600 or so, that marched on the Office of Homeland Security who are talking about essentially open borders. Anybody who shows up asking to be admitted should be admitted. Unlimited immigration. So thousands and thousands of people looking for a a better life or, or whatever, pouring into this country on a daily basis and then assimilating or not assimilating into this country, taking advantage of all the things that we provide, and in, in many cases, of course, expecting to have the taxpayers pay for all the various services that they would be entitled to. 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Look, I, I appreciate concerns about you know humane treatment of people and things like that, but... It, It's almost amazing to me that in 2019, we have groups that are seriously talking about how what we need to do is we need to just just do away with all our immigration issues. Let's just open up the border. Now, in this case, they don't say that because they recognize if they said that, people would say, oh, boy, these people are really kooks. So what they end up saying instead is, well, here, we want to anybody who wants asylum, you know, should get asylum. So what is that going to mean? It means anybody that comes across the border is going to say, hey, I, I want I I want asylum, and then they would be entitled to get it. 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Unlimited immigration, open borders, granting asylum to anybody who wants it. To me, that's, I don't know how to say this other than say it's Looney Tunes, that this country could not handle that influx, the infrastructure of this country, the tax system of this country, the health care system of this country could not handle unlimited, unrestricted immigration, anybody from anywhere in the world wanting to come in, being allowed to do it. And I would dare say that I'm not sure that there's any country in the world that just opens up its borders, at least any country in the world that people would want to go to, that just opens up its borders and says, come on in, um, you know, the water is fine, We're, you know, and, and here we're going to give you all the government services, we're going to treat you essentially as if you were citizens. 414-799-1620, that is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. All right, asylum for all. Anybody who comes in asking for asylum, should they automatically receive it? Because the truth of the matter is, the way it works now is, the people who come in asking for asylum, there is a very strict set of circumstances that you have to qualify for. And my guess is 95% of the people that come in asking for asylum don't qualify and get sent back anyways. This would be, just do away with it. Anybody who wants asylum should get it. Really? 414-799-1620. What do you think about that? We discuss in just a moment. This is Jeff Wagner. We're broadcasting live from the Wisconsin State Fair. Back to take your calls. Here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. 
Welcome back. Broadcasting live from the State Fair. Jeff, open borders. It's just insanity. We've gone beyond the precipice of topsy-turvy world, and we are smack dab in the middle of it. For those who advocate for open borders, perhaps we could pass a law that requires them to take in assigned immigrants, and they would be responsible for them, including financial support, health care, and education. This would, of course, be without any taxpayer funds. I mean, this see, th- this is the problem. I understand, and one of my frustrations is, you, you have some of these politicians that go down to the border, and they say, oh, this is terrible. Look, you have these facilities, and they're, they're you know, over, they're, they're you know, jammed to the to gills with people who are pouring into this country. Well, okay, and, and my point is, yeah, so, so tell me what the solution to this is. And if your solution is, well, we are a country of immigrants, so we need to be welcoming, and as at least people were talking about yesterday, anybody who shows up, you know, coming into this country demanding asylum, they should be given asylum, um, okay, all right, good Good luck with that, because then you're going to have millions of people coming into this country every year and explain to me how we are going to take care of all those people. Mark in Heartland. Mark, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Yeah, hi, Jeff. Uh, thanks for taking my call. Um, like I was trying to talk sure. to your, your producer, is these issues that they're taking – like this one where they're espousing everybody gets to stay on the asylum law or indirectly open borders or free health care for all or free Medicare for all or free student loans for all. The majority of Americans, when surveyed, say that just won't fly. We, we don't believe in that. We know it economically can't work either. So like I was trying to say to your producer, keep it up, keep wake, making these wild claims you're essentially digging your own grave for the twenty uh, the twenty twenty election. It, uh, it well, you know, it is going to be interesting. I, I do think, depending on who the Democrat nominee is, there, if if I and Lord knows President Trump certainly wouldn't take advice from me as to you know how to run a campaign. But there was that one moment. Was it in the first Democratic debate? Where they, they say, okay, is there, is everybody, you know, can I see a show of hands from everybody who's in favor of, you know, free health care for, for people who are in this country illegally? And all 10 of those hands go up, and I'm thinking, huh, that's going to make for an interesting 30 or 60 second political ad down the road, because I don't it think sure most people are on board with that. It sure would, Jeff. Jeff, and if I can add one more thing, again, when I was talking to your producer, I have Spectrum Cable. A lot of people have Spectrum Cable. I turned on the news, and recently Spectrum. When you turn on your cable system, it immediately takes you to the new Spectrum One channel, which is their equivalent to uh, Channel 4 or 620's news, right. outlet, news editorial right. other sports. They go into this big comment under the guise of news, and this is why I have an objection sometimes to news broadcasts. They call that march a massive demonstration in downtown Milwaukee. They even had their aerial camera shot of it, Jeff. There was nobody <laughs> next to nobody in the streets. There were 600 people, they claimed, and the, the aerial shot made it seem absurd because there wasn't any more much traffic on that street than there was during this, yeah. this so-called march. If they want to see a quote-unquote massive march, go back to the 60s when there were legitimately a million, million and a half people in the streets. Yeah, no, th- thanks for call. I appreciate it. I mean, obviously, there, there is a political agenda, and I think there's an agenda that some of the news people have and all. And I, look, and people are... 
I, I, I look, I think it's great. People, people have the right to their opinions. I, I, I respect that. But the bottom line is, if you're if you're talking about open borders or asylum for anybody, I'm reading some of the coverage of this in in the Journal Sentinel today. Several members of the Lutheran group who protested on Wednesday said their faith calls them to protest current immigration policies. Such and such noted that welcoming immigrants is ingrained in the church's history. We are a church that wants to create a country in which immigrants, refugees, and asylum seekers can find a home. Um, oh. Oh, okay, that that's wonderful, but we have this thing called the real world that's out there. And again, like I say, there was one lady on there. Like, I, I think anybody who comes across the border should be entitled to asylum. If you ask for asylum, you should be given it. Really? I mean, okay, explain to me how that's going to work in this thing that we call the real world. Jeff in Waukesha. Jeff, you're on WTMJ. Hey, thanks for taking my call. I'm a longtime ELC sure. Lutheran, and I, I just, uh, first of all, for anybody to say that, uh, is foolish, and for a member, you know, they they don't they don't represent every ALCA member, myself included. And frankly, I think it's reprehensible from the use of their platform as leaders of that church to promote a political agenda. And I am so glad you called. Real, I really am, Jeff, because I I was sitting there thinking, I was wondering, I can can the whole. I mean, these people that are here, are they speaking for everybody or are they kind of speaking for, I don't know, them, themselves? Because I, it, it was so far out. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I understand reasonable people can disagree on stuff and you can criticize U.S. immigration policy. But I'm like, really, anybody that comes in, you think that, you know, is it, that, that they, they should be given asylum? It is a foolish thing to say on so many levels. First of all, you shouldn't be giving people asylum. Second of all, you shouldn't be using your platform to, like that to promote a political agenda. And it's going to hurt the church. I mean, yeah, there's going to be people that are going to agree with that statement. But for everyone that agrees, there's going to be one that disagrees. And people are going to leave the ELC Luther Church. So it's just bad business on top of everything else. Well, it makes it makes at least in my opinion. I and, and maybe maybe you and I are out to lunch on this, but I think this is I think this is a fringe opinion. I mean, I, I think you can have discussions saying, do we need to reform the immigration laws? Do we need to figure out what we do with the dreamers? And again, reasonable people can disagree on that. But when you start saying, okay, open borders, anybody who comes in should get asylum. I, that that's a in my opinion that's still a very fringe sort of attitude that's out there and and you're I right I think a lot of people 100 it, it is a fringe it's a, and it's unfortunate that that fringe is moved in a position within the church that they're able to put that out there and use that platform to promote that agenda uh, it, frankly it just it disgusts me on so many levels um, I can't even yeah. describe no. it. No, Jeff. Thanks. Thanks for the perspective. I, yeah. I appreciate it. And I, I'm and and that's and I think that's kind of a fair thing. But like I say, if, if you watch this news coverage and all, you you get the impression that this is this is sort of the formal position of this particular church. Um, that that th- this is what we have decided is that you know our our faith calls us to protest immigration policies. Well, okay, that that's fine. But then when I when we have these conversations, my question is, okay, well, what do you want to do? Explain to me how you want things to be different. Well, I think anybody. That comes into this country should and ask for asylum should get it. Really? I mean, really? You're, you're seriously saying that? And 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 there are, I think, people who, of course, do believe that. And that's going to be again. It's going to be one of these issues that comes out in the 2020 presidential election, which is, I mean, depending on who gets nominated to oppose Donald Trump, you know, that there, there are going to be people who firmly believe that that we need to have open borders. Let's just, you know, let's let anybody in who wants to come in. I think that's. 
I think it's a crazy attitude. I think it's a crazy opinion. But, I mean, I guess we're going to decide on where we are as a country over the course of the next year and a half. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. We're broadcasting live from the Wisconsin State Fair. You're listening to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. We're back broadcasting live from the State Fair. Okay, that was really cool. One of the things I love doing is I, I go out during the breaks and I get a chance to say hi to folks. There were these two lovely young ladies that were, oh, there's two, two more lovely young ladies hanging out right there. Okay, well, there, there were two lovely young ladies that were out there for about the last 30 or 35 minutes. And they were kind of taking pictures of each other and stuff. And, I, I mean, I, I, I was kidding around. I was saying, are you two sisters? It was a mom and a daughter. But, but actually... Um, I just posted a picture of it. Uh, the mom and and her daughter Emma. Um, Emma is a regular caller on the show, and she's a teenager. And it's kind of like it's just so very cool um, because I, I think the, the the general perception is that you know you have to be of a certain age before you start listening to spoken word radio and programs like this. And I mean, and I get it. Normally, like our wheelhouse, I, I've always found is well when. It's about, you know, when people start to get to the late 20s or something and you, you start to think about uh, maybe you're getting married, maybe you're having kids, you're thinking about taxes, you're thinking about quality of life issues and stuff like that. Because I get it, because when I was 21 years old, what I was thinking of is, okay, you know, where are we going to go on Friday night or are you going to be able to get a date or whatever? But I, so I always love when we have an opportunity to meet some of our, our, our younger listeners and our WTMJ super fans. It's just incredible. So to Emma and Debbie, thank you very much for stopping by. And I just sent out a I, that's what I was doing. I was hating to be. I'm in this little fishbowl thing, and I didn't mean to be rude because people are looking in. But I'm trying to get the Twitter thing out and send that out. So um, it's always so, so much fun. And this is why I really enjoy being out at the state fair. All right, this is the People's Republic of not Madison, but of San Francisco. Here is the story, and my question to you is going to be: Should we do this at the Milwaukee airport? Now. Here at the State Fair, as people walk by, people have things like beer and stuff like that. Well, I'm working, so I don't get to drink beer, but I get to drink, you know, my little bottle of water here. And I have a bottle of water, and it is in one of those plastic bottles, right? That's that's what you use. And my guess is many of you probably have these plastic bottles at home. Well, San Francisco has decided plastic bottles are evil. And what they have decided to do is they have decided to ban, now you got to follow me on this, ban plastic bottles of water at the San Francisco airport. Banning bottles of water. Now, I don't know about you, but what would frequently happen when, when I travel from time to time is you, you can't take bottles of liquid through TSA security, right? They, they don't let you do that. So what I will oftentimes do... I'll go through TSA security, and then once you get past security, what I will do is I'll stop at, you know, one of the places, and I'll buy a thing of Diet Coke, or I'll buy a bottle of water or whatever, and I'll take the bottle on the plane, right? San Francisco, starting August 1st, yeah, um, let's see, dot, 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 yeah, I believe it, August 20th, starting August 20th, San Francisco, in the San Francisco airport, you will no longer be able to buy plastic bottles of water because they have decided that plastic bottles are destroying the, the environment, so you're not going to have them. 
So you won't be able to, and again, if you, if you bring a plastic a bottle of water into the airport, you're not going to be able to take it with you when you go through TSA because they're not going to allow you to do it. So once you get on the other side of TSA, if you want to stop and you want to get something, you can't get a plastic bottle of water. Now, interestingly enough, here's the point. They're, they're not outlawing other forms of, of plastic bottles. So if you want to buy a Coke or a Pepsi or a Mountain Dew or something like that, you can still buy it in a plastic bottle. But you can't buy plastic bottles of water. Now, you might say to me, Jeff, what the heck is that? That doesn't make any sense at all. And, and yeah, you're probably right on that. But their thinking is, well, here's what we do. We have a number of what we call hydration systems at the airport. So what we expect people to do... If you're a traveler and you want to get that water after you go through, like, the TSA checkpoint, we expect you to bring your own bottle, like your own, you know, recyclable bottle, your own Yeti, whatever. We expect you to carry that with you, and then you can go up and you can get water from one of our whatevers. But we're not going to sell plastic bottles of water anymore because... Well, we're in San Francisco, and we care about the environment. All right, 414-799-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. The airport spokesperson say that they believe at the San Francisco airport, the administrators are the first, first airport, I think, in the world to put a ban on plastic water bottles in place, and um, they are hoping that more, more airports follow suit. So let's tee this up. 414-799-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Um, all right. For those of you who are travelers, I mean, should we ban plastic bottles, particularly plastic bottles of all things water, at the airport? Meaning, if you want to have water, well, you got to pack your own Bat, your, pack your own cup or whatever, and then you know find a bubbler, find a water fountain, find a hydration place, and fill it up. You'd still be able to do that, but you're going to have to haul that cup through the TSA security. Does this make any sense in the world? 414-799-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. And again, I will point out that the ban only applies to plastic bottles of water. It does not apply to other plastic bottles of liquid. So if you want the Diet Coke after you clear security, you can still buy the plastic bottle of Diet Coke or Mountain Dew or whatever. All right. Should Milwaukee adopt this? Um, and if it doesn't, does that mean that we don't care about uh, Mother Earth? 414-799-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. We're back to discuss in just a moment. This is Jeff Wagner broadcasting live from the Wisconsin State Fair. Back for more, here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. We're back broadcasting live from the Wisconsin State Fair. San Francisco has become the first airport in the country, maybe the world, to ban the sale of plastic water bottles. Their solution is, well, um, if you want water, you have to bring your own receptacle. All right. Now, I mean, here's the question. Let's see. I'll share a tweet that uh, somebody put out. As somebody who passes through the airport multiple times per week, I hope you have a solution that is as easy, if not easier, than grabbing a bottle of water. As a business traveler on day trips, sorry, I will not be bringing my own receptacle. What is your solution? To which they, they don't have one. Let's start with Julie in Fox Point. Julie, you're first. Hello. Hi. 
Hi, Jeff. Thanks for Hi, Julie. Uh, hi. Um, sure. So, yes, I think it's great. You know, if we can ban more plastic bottles uh, and save on the, with the environment. Um, but, of course, there's going to be that argument. What if I don't bring a container to fill up with water or I don't want to lug it around? But if the airport could sell mini plastic, I mean, not plastic, glass bottles for the same cost as what they would buy a plastic bottle for, they can fill it up at that airport. And if they don't want it, then they can recycle it because it's glass. That's I thought would be a great solution. So you're you you understand? Okay, so let, let let's break this into two points, Julie. You understand the 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 real world, the practical problem with this. At least that we were saying that no plastic at all, because there's a lot of people, for example, like the business travelers. They're they're not going around carrying the the recyclable you know receptacle. So. You, under, you would agree with me that that could be a problem for those folks? Yes. Yes. Okay. And yeah. your solution is, well, okay, the alternative is, you know, we're going we're gonna to provide you with some other sort of disposable container that you can buy after you go through the line, and we're going to sell it for the same price as we sell the bottled water. Well, I, I think if they, if, if they it, take that. Great. But if they don't want to carry it around with them, then at least they can recycle that in a different way than just plastic. I would think majority well, see, now, of people I, keep it. Well, yeah, and I, see, Julian, I think that that's a good thinking outside the box type of thing. And I guess if they were to, if they were to do that, and it's at the same cost. Now, if they're charging, if they're charging twenty dollars for the receptacle, you know, that that might not work out that well. But I, I appreciate that. If that was the deal, we will sell this stuff essentially. At, at very little, at no profit, we're going to charge you a buck or whatever it's going to be, and here you can have the container if you want it. Well, I guess that's, that does solve the problem, if they're willing to do that. But I think with okay. more think- following up, that more people would start bringing their own container, so they wouldn't have that problem. All right, would you, let me, I'm curious, would you, would you ban the sale of other types of liquid like our the, the way they the reason they've started with water is they've said okay well we we have like water fountains and we have like these filtered water things so people can get that would would you go that next step and ban coca-cola bottles or mountain dew bottles or whatever um no i think nowadays people drink more water than soda um and I, I just think that there's more of a problem of people drinking out of bottled water. Not so much airports, but everywhere. Yeah. Okay, good enough. Thanks for the perspective. I appreciate it. Here's a text. Jeff, are you really saying that saving plastic is not worth inconveniencing a hypothetical businessman to not have to carry his own home uh, his own bottle of water? I'm really confused. Yeah, that's exactly what I'm saying. I, yes, I, I, I understand. I'm all in favor of saving the planet. I, I get it, and I understand why, you know, plastics are a factor i think in some respects in my opinion it's, it's overblown but but i get that but don't we want people drinking water and, and yeah i just see i live in this real world and i may be a guy who goes through airports a lot and the truth of the matter is i think a lot of people this idea that okay well you know we want you to bring a bring a mug or bring some you know bring i don't know your your yeti whatever and we want you to bring it get it through security, then pull it out of the bag, and then fill it up with water, and then drink that water before you get on the plane. Yeah, I I don't think that is practical in this thing we call the real world. Now, I understand, you know, maybe in San Francisco it's going to be fine. Now, I appreciate what Julie's saying. If you can offer a reasonable alternative, we don't allow, we don't sell plastic bottles of water, but what we do sell for the same price as the plastic bottles of water is we sell cups 
and you can use the cups, and then, you know, you can dispose of them or, or whatever. Now, maybe that's a compromise, but it really, I mean, what what are they, is this really what's going to save the environment? And I understand there's people out there saying, oh, well, you know, it's, you know, it's just, it's one step at a time. It's one plastic straw at a time. But if that's the case, then it would seem to me that what we want to say is, all right, well, we're not going to allow any sort of liquids to be sold afterwards, whether it's, Coca-Cola or Mountain Dew or bottles of water. Gary in Wauwatosa. Gary, you're on WTMJ. Hi, Jeff. My wife and I Hi, Gary. Uh, travel, fly quite often, and we always take one of these insulated uh, thermos bottles along. We leave it empty, and once we're through to eat TSA, most of the restaurants in the concourses are accommodating, and they'll give you ice, and then we fill it with water, and, and then we have it with us on the, on the plane or whatever. I mm-hmm. don't like warm water, nor does my wife. So, well, yeah, right. So, I mean, so I mean, so th- this is something that you do voluntarily, and it works for you. Yes, yes, it does. Yeah, I, I don't know what no. the answer is. If people don't want to carry, uh, don't want to carry a metal bottle, I understand their thinking, but for us, it works. You know. Well, and I, and, and Gary, no, thanks for calling, and Gary, and I, I think that's great, and I mean this sincerely. I mean, I'm if if that's if that's what you want to do, I, I mean, I, I think and it's great, and I, I mean it sincerely. I, I just, I'm back at this larger point of, of, again, in the real world, you know, people, you're you're rushing to the airport, you're in the TSA line, you get through there, you've got a little bit of time to kill, or you want to take some water on an airplane or something like that. Well, okay, th- this idea that, oh, I didn't buy... I didn't remember, or I didn't feel like, with all the other luggage, I didn't feel like carrying my, you know, recyclable 16-ounce, you know, glass or cup or whatever. I, so so now I'm, I'm out of luck. I just, I don't buy that. And again, I, I just, I, I think, you know, as far as the practicalities, and a number of people are saying, well, you know, the airlines probably aren't going to let you carry, like, glass glasses or glass bottles onto, you know, the plane, so how do you draw this line in? I guess I just... I understand political correctness, and I understand wanting to save the planet. And, and maybe, just like with the people who don't like shopping bags and they decide to use the recyclable cloth bags, I think that's great. If, if that's the contribution you want to make, it's just this idea that we're not going to give you the option. I think, again, if you like that in San Francisco, you're ready, but we're going to see what the reaction is when you got business traveler after business traveler who's going, wait, I, I want to grab a bottle of water, and now, now I can't because you don't offer it. We'll see how long this lasts, and, and maybe this is going to be a permanent thing, or alternatively, maybe this is going to expand, and now there's going to be no sale of, I mean, how, where do you carry this? I mean, it, I mean, where does the, where is the logical breaking point? Isn't it then that we're not going to sell any sort of plastic bottles of anything, no Coke, no whatever, and maybe we're coming to that, uh, maybe. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Broadcasting live from the Annex Wealth Management Mobile Studio at the Wisconsin State Fair, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. It is a Chamber of Commerce day out here at the Wisconsin State Fair. Plenty of room for you. Stop by and say hi. There's actually a gorgeous breeze. It really is one of the... It's, we've had a number of nice days at the fair, and today is certainly one of them. All right, we've got some serious stuff I want to talk about before the program ends. But, but during the break, I got a text from my old friend Jack Voigt. You might remember Jack. He, was, um, he served as the Wisconsin State Treasurer. 
for multiple terms. Just a, a really, really great guy. And he, he sent me a note. In the last segment of the program, we, we were talking about this, this decision in San Francisco to not allow you to buy to buy plastic bottles of water at the airport because they, they want to save the planet. And I, I, I made the reference. I said, well, the idea would be what they want you to do is they want you to bring your own uh, vessel, your own cup or whatever, through security, carry it along with you, and then fill it up at the, I said, at the water fountain or the bubbler or the hydration system or whatever. And I, I used the reference bubbler, and, and Jack sent me this note saying, loved the bubbler comment. Her, I haven't heard the phrase bubbler in ages. Now, I have a confession to make. I, I am... I, I was born, I, I've told this before, I, I was born in Baltimore, Maryland. My parents are both, my mom's from Southern Maryland, my dad's from Baltimore. We moved here when I was about nine years old. So, you know, you do the math. I, I've been here for decades and decades and decades, but, but I wasn't born here. And I remember when we first moved here, and I think I, I, I started fifth grade, that's, so that's when we moved here. And I, I heard all these people, so I, I moved here from Baltimore, and, and all these people are referring to this thing called the bubbler. And I admit, I had no idea what the heck they were talking about. What is this bubbler thing of which you speak? And because, you know, where I came from, they were water fountains. I mean, oh, so you mean the water fountain. And and they said, well, yeah, that's it. But we, we call it a bubbler here. And so... I've always, I mean, I still think of the things in terms of uh, of water fountains, but I, I understand that if you are of a certain age, you know, you, you think of them as bubblers. Now, I got to admit, I haven't heard that term in a long time, so I want to do just one segment because I am genuinely, genuinely curious. Do we still here in Wisconsin? Do we still call bubblers bubblers? Is that a term that is still used or, oh, a couple of people at State Fair saying, yeah, okay, so, so if this, if you got kids that are at school or whatever, or, or are, are they, is it a generational thing or is this the same as it was when I was in Green Tree Elementary School in fifth grade that the water fountains, they're, they're bubblers. Are they still bubblers or has that kind of gone by the wayside? 414-799-1620, that is the Acunet Mortgage talk and text line. Because the implication of Jack's text to me was kind of like, well, or his email to me was kind of like, yeah, I, I mean, I, I haven't heard the term bubbler in ages. Do we still call them bubblers? Now, again, I, I understand at a certain age, yeah, that, you know, maybe that's still how you think of them. But are they still bubblers or have they become water fountains or hydration systems or something else over time. 414-799-1620, that is the Acunet Mortgage talk and text line. I mean, have they changed? Millet grew, give grew a chance to line up the phone calls. I just, I, again, it was, I, I remember there might have been other terms that I, I had trouble dealing with. For example, those those things when you pull up at intersections um, and they, they, they change colors to tell you what you're supposed to do, you know, green and yellow and red. To me, they were always stoplights. And I understand, at least around here, sometimes they were people would refer to them as stop-and-go lights. And it took me a little while to get used to that. But, but the, bubbler, the bubbler was the thing that still... That, that I just, it was kind of like a bubbler. And I could, where, where in that world would that come from? 414-799-1620. Is that still the way it is? Pat in McGuanago. Pat, you're first. Good afternoon. Hey, how are you today? Great show, by the way. Very well, thank you. <laughs> oh, thank you. Well, well, sometimes we talk about really serious stuff, and then sometimes there's just things that I'm curious about. Like, do we still use the term bubbler? Are they still bubblers? They are. Well, to my kids, <laughs> they are. 
so I have a, a 15-year-old daughter and a 16-year-old son, and they call drinking fountains bubblers. And I, and I grew up <laughs> okay. not in Wisconsin. I grew up in Arizona and moved around lots and lots of places in the Navy. And, and my kids have grown up here, and they, they call them bubblers, and they call things time machines, and they, <laughs> and they, you know, they pick up the accent and the terminology from, from Wisconsin. Okay, so everywhere else, everywhere else you've gone in the world, um, have they been? Have you ever been to another place that's called them something other than like water fountains? Uh, drinking fountains or water yeah. fountains, and I've lived yeah. in Arizona, Texas, Florida, Connecticut, Italy, and in Wisconsin. In Wisconsin is the right. only place I've ever heard the term. <laughs> <laughs> me, me, right, me too. And I, uh, thanks to the call, uh, uh, thanks to the call, Pat. And by, by the way, if that's the case, I, I think it's it's perhaps maybe it's great. It, it shows the tradition still exists. Chris, who is calling us from the Wisconsin State Fair, standing right outside our booth on his cell phone. Hi, Chris. Hey, good afternoon. How are you doing? I am well, thank you. Okay, are they still bubblers? Yes, yeah, they're absolutely still bubblers. Whenever you're from Wisconsin, it's a bubbler. And then whenever you go to get some pass, it's a time machine. Take your money you know, everywhere. <laughs> yeah, you know that's you know it's funny that you mention that because that's right. I I understand ATM automated tellers, but that's not how I think of them. I'm I'm at the same deal. I whenever you hear that, it's like I'm going over to the time machine. And and again, maybe if you're a certain age, you go, "What is this time machine?" Are you you know going back to 1968 or whatever? No, a TYME. You're right. Take your money everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> Chris, thanks for the call. Enjoy the state fair. Okay. See, that's the kind of fun thing. You get that immediate reaction. Chris is outside the booth going, hey, I'm calling you up. I just got through on the phone. 414-799-1620. Dave in Waukesha. Dave, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Hey, Jeff. How are you doing? It's Real well, thank you. Is it still a bubbler? Yep. Absolutely. And uh, the, the weird part is, though, um, when you go to, when you get outside of the southeastern part of the, of the state, when you go up north, they call soda, you know, they call it pop. They don't call it uh, pop, yeah. Soda. Yeah. So, I mean, that's kind of a, yeah. kind of a diversion. Yeah. I, you know, yeah, I, but it's, so it's, there's, like there's still bubblers. Bubbler's universal. Bubbler's universal. Okay. I mean, that's just the way it is. As long as you're in Wisconsin. Okay. Thanks for the call, Dave. I pre- Again, it's, it's, I, I just, I, I haven't referred to stuff as a water fountain in the longest time. Okay, let's see. Uh, email. Kristen says, Jeff, of course it's still a bubbler. You know, what else would it be? <laughs> well, okay. Um, let's see. All right, here. Mitch says, no bubblers in Sturgeon Bay. The term has been co-opted by Minnesotans. They also call soda pop and rubber bands rubber binders. Huh, haven't heard that one. Uh, okay, my buddy Fat Lou from West Dallas says, and that's what he calls himself. I'm not calling him fat. Bubbler is still a bubbler, like pop is called soda here, and soda is seltzer. Drives me nuts in Vegas when I order a vodka seltzer, and the bartenders look at me like I'm crazy. Yeah, I kind of get that from time to time. Uh, oh, yes, it's still a bubbler, and stop and go lights. Uh, go by the neighbors is common as well. Uh, yeah, you kind of got all that stuff there. I just, I, I just, and again, I just threw that term in. Like I say, to me, I, I grew up with them being water fountains, but I, I quickly realized that, you know, when in Rome, you know, do as the Romans do. And if you're going to grow up in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, you know, it's got to be a bubbler. Linda in Wilmot. Linda, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Hi. Yes, it is a bubbler. Hi, Linda. And I, was a, I was on a business trip in uh, New Jersey, and at the company I was there for, they called it a bubbler. 
and I thought they were just being nice oh, to me. <laughs> but yeah, so, so the, you're, you're in, in the world. <laughs> I, live, I live in Wisconsin. But yeah, yeah you're going. Wait a second, huh? In Massachusetts, it's called wow. it, um Huh? I, I bet you they stole it from us. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe with the Bradley huh. Wash fountain. I think they had one of those too. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> there you fair enough. Thanks for the call, Linda. One more call on this. Randy, I I just I just get distracted. This is you know, but it was kinda like oh Jack Boyd's mentioned the term bubbler. Um Randy in West Bend. Randy, the last word is yours. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. I remember when I was in high school in the seventies, we used to sell the uh pass to go to the bubbler to the sophomores. And some of them most of them didn't know what they were. But, yeah, I still use huh. it as a bubbler. Interesting. I Again, I just, I you know, I, I, I it, it is, it's one of those just things that's absolutely, totally, completely unique to Wisconsin. I love it. Thanks for the call, Randy. I appreciate uh, it. I just, um, uh, let's see, Jeff, I was born out east, lived in Minnesota, and moved to Wisconsin in my mid-20s. I couldn't figure out what a bubbler was when I moved here. It was always a drinking fountain to me. I raised my kids who were born here using drinking fountain, which made them a minority when going to school. My husband's family, our friends and coworkers, all call it a bubbler. To me, it will always be a drinking fountain. That's Doreen. Well... All right. It's actually good to know that, you know, some things change. It's kind of like the State Fair. They always have new stuff at the State Fair, but it is a tradition. I love coming here because I know my way around the fair. I know all the different stuff that I love to go and grab and eat and things like that, and I'm glad it's here year after year. And I guess there's something about it. I'm, I'm glad that in Wisconsin there's still bubblers. Let's take a quick break. Back with more in just a moment. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. We're back. Okay, Melissa Barkley just walked in. Should we put her on the spot with this? Melissa, sit down for a second. Were, were you listening? You, you just walked in. So you, 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 you weren't listening to our previous conversation. I wasn't. Okay, no, no, no that, that's, that's fair enough. All right, here, here's the question. When you are in a public place and you want to have a drink of water and you go to one of those machines that they have like up on the wall where you kind of bend over and you push the button in and water spouts out, what do you call that? Well, I call it a water fountain. You call it a water <laughs> fountain. Do. Okay, all right. Yeah. Okay. You call it a bubbler, I'm guessing? Well, no, we were just having that conversation. I I, it, I call it both because I, 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 I moved here when I was in fifth grade, when we started fifth grade. Mm-hmm. So I'm originally from, from the Baltimore, Maryland area, and, and it was a water fountain there. And when we moved here, I had no idea what the hell this thing was that people were talking about. Is it go yeah. to the bubbler? I mean, what do you mean go to the bubbler and stuff? And I quickly caught on that it was a water fountain. So I have I've used those terms interchangeably, but my default position is still water fountain. But I we just did a top a segment. All these people I was saying, do we still is that what they're still called? Do we is that term bubbler still in use? And it is. Everybody's saying, yeah, that's what they are. Well, I moved to the East Coast for five years when I in my younger early thirties, and someone came up to me and asked me where the bubbla was, and I was like, the what? <laughs> they had an accent, and they weren't saying the R, so I had, I mean, I literally had no idea what they were talking what is this about. I was like, me the bubble? Like, <laughs> it was, you know, close to Massachusetts, so nobody said there R's, and I said, I don't know what you're talking about, and I said, oh, a water fountain, and they said, yes. I'm like, okay, so. All right, so no, <laughs> Lost no, in translation a little bit. Well, no, but it's, and it, it is, okay, so, all right, here, here'd be the other question. When you, you're gonna go and you're gonna buy yourself a Diet Coke, what, what generically are you drinking? 
well, I call it a, a pop. Pop. Okay. A pop. See, no. As, see, now, I, I get that, that was it. Now, most people around here, including me, we, we, I call it a soda. I'm going to go buy, I'm going to get a soda. Sure. But so you use the term pop. Nowadays, I use soda pop. So that I'll kind of the, like, I do, I'll say a soda or pop. Yeah. So people kind of, you know, know what I'm talking about. But okay. Those little things, they, they do get lost in translation when you travel a little bit. They're like, a what? Right. Yeah. <laughs> right? yeah. Oh, and then, then you go to Europe and yeah, then you really start asking for right. things. And it's like, okay, let me explain to me what the name of the bad, I mean, the, the couple things, you know, how do I order a beer? And you know, what, when I'm asking right. for the public restroom, you know, what, what's it going to be? Okay. So you're, you're a water fountain and you're a pop girl. I am. Um, All right. No, no, there's not there there's no right or wrong answer here. It was just I again I, I was just I was wondering, do we still use the term bubbler? It's just everyone. This is just the way my mind works. Every, like, <laughs> I have, I have whole topics of serious stuff and all this type of stuff. And every once in a while, it's just I kind of go off on the show goes off on the rails, but we bring it back in. All right. That's what I want to do here. There there's a really interesting story in um, it, it's actually coming out of New York. And it's about the law of unexplained consequences. Here's the bottom line. You think you might want something, be careful because you might get it. One of the things that we have talked about periodically on this program is this push to require businesses to increase the minimum wage to $15 an hour. The argument is you can't, employees can't live on less than that, so they become dependent on the governor, on the government to you know provide them food stamps and all these other things. So what the government should do is pass laws requiring businesses to raise the minimum wage to at least fifteen dollars an hour. Now my problem with that has always been, well, what if what if? See, I'm a free market guy, and to me, you know, it, it's a, a whole thing about you know. How much do you have to pay to get somebody qualified to do that, that job? And I've told this story before. I have a couple friends who own a bunch of fast food re- restaurants around the, the area, a couple franchises. And, uh, for example, one of my friends, he says that they don't pay minimum wage. They don't pay close to minimum wage at their stores because they can't find – they have trouble finding people to work, period, and they can't find – hardly anybody good that, you know, that'll work for minimum wage. So they don't pay minimum wage, and they don't pay minimum wage to start. So, again, that's the market kind of taking over. Well, anyhow, New York City, New York City um, six months ago increased the minimum wage to $15 an hour. All right, so the question is, all right, six months later, what has happened now that the government requires these businesses to spend to pay $15 an hour? And, um, all right, this, let me just read a portion of the story. Many business owners said these changes um, actually had resulted in the following. They say increased labor's co- labor costs have forced them to cut staff, eliminate work shifts, and raise prices. They quote this one woman who owns a, a restaurant in Harlem. She says, look, she employs 40 people. She says, so far we've been able to avoid laying off people, but the increase in salary has forced her to cut back shifts. It's forced her to eliminate overtime. And she said, you know, she's had to raise the prices on her on her uh, customers. Um, they go on to quote several other people saying this is what's happening. Um, a number, they say a number of small businesses have closed during the last six months, and a lot of people believe this is due to the minimum wage increase. He said people that aren't closing, they're cutting staff, they're cutting hours, they're shutting down because you know they can't afford to do this. 
All right, our number is 414-799-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Now, I know every time I talk about this, I will get texts and I'll get phone calls from people saying, Jeff, you're just out of touch. You know, there's the, these businesses, they're making money hand over fist. They can afford to pay this. So some fat cat owner of this business, and maybe in this case the lady who runs the restaurant in Harlem, okay, so maybe her profits are diminished a little bit. You know, who cares? Let's give it to the employees. My point is, if we do something like this, I think this is going to be more and more what you really see happening. People losing their jobs, businesses closing, prices going up, and people getting fewer hours. 414-799-1620. Grew is lining up the calls. We're going to discuss this in just a couple minutes. If you're on the line, please hold on. We're broadcasting live from the State Fair. This is Jeff Wagner. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. We're back broadcasting live from the Wisconsin State Fair. Okay, let's reset this quickly because we had like jam phone lines when I went out during the break and lost a couple people dropped off. 414-799-1620 is our number. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. If you're just tuning in, six months ago, New York City raised the mandatory minimum wage for most businesses to $15 an hour. And what they found after six months is a number of businesses have closed. Not all, but a number of businesses have closed. Those businesses, the small businesses that haven't closed, what they've seen is they've raised their prices, they've cut back hours, and pretty much eliminated overtime. So, I mean, I, I guess, is this a reasonable thing to expect that this is going to be the normal? 414-799-1620. Kevin Mosquito sends a text. Jeff, just be, generally speaking, employees get paid what the job is worth. Just because a law is passed saying every job is worth at least $15 an hour, economic realities um, dictate otherwise. Uh, Jeff, my wife just started a new job in management at Target. The store is choosing to raise starting wages to $15 an hour, but they are expecting a higher quality of work. This is driving out less skilled and less motivated workers who can't cut it. They end up getting laid off. All right, Dennis on the south side. Dennis, you're on WTMJ. Thanks for taking my call, Jeff. Hi, you Dennis. Know, I, I, you're talking about the law of unintended consequences here, the things that are going on as a result of the law being passed. But I want to take this another direction, okay, still in the same vein. If they believe that $15 an hour is the panacea, that's going to be a living wage for them, that's all they need, well then, do they really need any sort of food stamps anymore, or heat assistance, or any mm-hmm. other federal programs? Can we start doing away with those? Right, well, yeah, yeah I mean, it would, where would you, yeah. No, well, you know, I mean, here's the here's the reality of this. I mean, a- actually, and I think we there was a study out a couple months a month ago, or so I think we might have even talked about it on the show about how you know, I mean, fifteen dollars an hour that that's really not you you can't make it right. You can't make it in New York City on fifteen dollars an hour. That's just the reality. So then the question becomes, why not make the minimum wage thirty dollars an hour or thirty five dollars an hour? And what's that going to do to the businesses? I, I, there was a saying that uh, my father used to use all the time. You know, there's still people out there who are willing to do an honest day's work, only they want a week's pay for it. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, it's uh, thanks for the call, Dennis. Hey, look, and I have, I have, I got to think that one through. But yeah, look, and I mean, I, I'm not against people making money. I, I'm not. I'm, I'm just saying that you do 
And again, we go back to the notion, the phrase is unintended consequences. Everybody in some of these cities, they pat themselves on the back saying, okay, we've now raised the minimum, we've improved the quality of life of workers because we've raised the minimum wage to $15 an hour. All right, well, okay, what they don't understand is there's somebody who has to pay that, that $15 an hour. And I understand we have these images out there that the, the typical business person, small business, medium-sized business, large business, is this, you know, just this this fat cat CEO that all they do is they sit back at their desk all day and they put up their 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 feet on their desk and then they just like rake in the money that's made at the back of their on the backs of, of their poor underprivileged employees. And and the reality of course is quite different than that. And you know you just I mean think of all the different businesses. Think think of the restaurants, just the the, the think of all the businesses you know, are in your neighborhood or in your community that were there 10 years ago that have closed, that, that they're just not there anymore. Maybe it's dry cleaners. Maybe it's a hardware store. You know, whatever. Maybe it's restaurants, whatever, that have just closed. And it, it's because, why did they close? It's because, you know, they didn't do enough business for whatever for whatever reason. Maybe the quality of their food went down. Maybe, um, again, maybe people, you know, just didn't want to, you know, they didn't want to rent videotapes anymore. You know, whatever. You, you go, these things go out of business. And, and the reality is, it's tough to run small and medium-sized businesses. And when you all of a sudden just pass this, wave this magic wand and say, okay, your labor costs. You were paying somebody $12 an hour because that's what the job was worth. And now what you have to do is you've got to pay them $3 an hour more. And by the way, there is, of course, a trickle-up effect saying that if, you know, if you've got somebody who's been working there, let's say you start, let's say you start at 10 bucks an hour. Let's make it easy. You start at 10 bucks an hour. You've got somebody that's been there for five years, worked their way up, and now they're making 15 bucks an hour. Well, okay, if you pass this law saying, okay, the, the minimum wage is now 15 bucks an hour. So, all right, the, the starting person goes up to 15 bucks. The person that's making 15, you, you gotta pay them 20, don't you? I mean, so it's this trickle up sort of thing. And I understand there might be some people listening to me right now applauding that. That's right. You know, we, we want to put more money in people's pockets. Well, again, I'm not against that, but that money comes from somewhere and at some point in time and this is what they're seeing in new york the places where that money is coming from is it's coming from the employees the minimum wage was intended to increase yeah you're getting paid more per hour but you know what we're going to give you less hours or we're going to eliminate overtime for you or we're going to i don't know in some cases we're going to cut shifts entirely or in some cases we're going to close down All right, so are you really any better off? Yeah, maybe some people are a little bit better off, but a lot of people are going to be worse off. I'm just saying you need to think these things through before you do all this. All right, this is Jeff Wagner. We're broadcasting live from the Wisconsin State Fair. Stick around. You're listening to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. We're back. Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Okay, for everybody who's watching us at State Fair Park and was, saw that woman I kissed on the cheek, that was John McCure's wife. That was, it was, and he was there. So, I mean, it wasn't, that wasn't my wife. That was John McCure's wife who, who came in. It, it's actually, you know, it, it's funny how stuff gets away because um, my wife, Fran, has been just so very busy with different stuff. I said, come on out to the State Fair. And we've just been trying to find days and days, and we we're going to do it today. And she has a visitation, a funeral visitation you have to go to, so it just didn't work out, but um, it's always a lot of fun, and we love 
Love, love, love being out here at the Wisconsin State Fair. Um, okay. Just really quick. We only have a couple minutes before I have to turn it over to John. Tonight, matter of fact, uh, John and Melissa have an abbreviated show today because tonight is the first Green Bay Packers game. This, it's the non-exhibition game. They're playing Houston. This is the uh, unofficial start of... Actually, a, a new era for the Green Bay Packers. Aaron Rodgers is still the quarterback, but Mike McCarthy is gone. You've had kind of like a changeover. It's the second year for the new general manager. Let's face it. I mean, last year was a disappointing year. Would it be fair to say disappointing? You know, you can maybe use some other words, but it was a disappointing year. You had Aaron Rodgers, who apparently was playing through some injuries. But, I mean, Aaron Rodgers started, I believe, every game last year, and the Packers definitely did not meet performance expectations. The defense was horrible. You had turnovers at the worst time. Mike McCarthy, the long-term coach, lost his job. So you've got a new coach. You've got a new system. All right. 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Now, look, I I leave the X's and O's and that type of stuff to to our sports guys on ESPN who do it very, very well. I mean, Greg and Doug and all the other guys. But, all right, I'm just a fan. Maybe you're a fan as well. We only got a couple minutes. 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Are you expecting a big rebound this year from the Packers? Going in, are you optimistic are the results going to be substantially better than they were last year? Will, with Aaron Rodgers at the quarterback, with the new coach, are they going to go back to the playoffs? 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Only got a couple minutes, so hopefully I'll have an opportunity to take a couple calls on this. Again, the it's you know, you're talking about you know, the Packers coming off a, a down year, actually two down years in a row. Maybe you can explain, you know, what happened before by the virtue of two years ago. You had Aaron Rodgers who was injured, and maybe that, you know, implicated things. But now, I mean, now, you know, he's healthy. You've got all these new draft picks that are coming in. You've got this new attitude in Green Bay. Is it going to make a substantial difference? 414-799-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. While Gru is lining up the calls, I'm going to give you my take on this. And and let me just say this at the beginning. I'm a huge Packers fan, okay? I, I just, I'm one of those guys who builds my... Sunday afternoons or Sunday evenings or Thursday evenings, just like you, I build it around watching and listening to the Green Bay Packers. Right, so I'm hoping that this is a great season. I think my head, not my heart, my head tells me this is going to be kind of a year of transition as they figure out what they have and they get the new coaches, you know, offense and stuff in, installed. I think they're going to be better than last year. I'm not sure they're I'm not sure they're a Super Bowl contender and I'm not even sure they're a playoff contender and I hope they're wrong. I think they're going to be better. I just think there's going to be a learning curve. 414-799-1620 Dick in West Bend. Dick, you're on WTMJ. Hi Jeff, thanks for taking my call. I, um Sure. You optimistic this year? Um I'm hopeful, but I've got to make sure that the coach keeps Rodgers under control and we've got a lot of young players We've always had young players, but I'm, you know, I'm hopeful, but I'm not real. We're not going to the Super Bowl. 
Okay. Yeah. I, I, thanks for call. I appreciate it. And again, look, and I, and I know, Dick, I'm speaking for both of us. We hope you're wrong. <laughs> you know, but, but I mean, again, I, I try to be objective about these types of things. And I, if, if you look historically, now I, I understand there's some exceptions, but generally speaking, the first year a coach comes in, it's not all of a sudden an immediate turnaround and they're right back in the Super Bowl. Now, you know, even with the, the Los Angeles Rams who had, you know, they were in the Super Bowl last year, that was the second year of the head coach. So, I mean, you you can expect improvement. I think the Packers have a right to demand improvement. I'm just not sure that this is going to be their year. Dave, who's calling us from the State Fair. Dave, you're on WTMJ. Hi, Dave. Hi, Dave. Hi, Jeff. I'm watching you through the, the glass here. And I appreciate <laughs> that WTMJ comes out here. Every year, it's fun to watch you all broadcast. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, what about the Packers? Well, the, the defense is vastly improved and is going to actually be the stopping card that we need while we get into Lafleur's offense. Apparently, Rodgers has bought into this offense. We got a bunch of wide receivers, running backs as an issue with two guys out with a hamstring. But I look for improvement. But so are the Bears. Bears are good. Vikings are good. Lions sometimes are yeah. good. Okay. okay, so if somebody were to say, you know, Dave, you you got him, you 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 got to call it today. Do they go back to the playoffs? I say yes. All right. All right. Well, from from your lips to God's ears, works for me. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, Rick in Mount Pleasant. Rick, WTMJ. Yeah. Hi. Hi, Rick. Yeah. Hi. I just what do you think? think uh, I don't think that the the coach uh, and Aaron Rodgers are going to start out on the same page. At least uh, thus far. They've already had uh, the media has already uh, caused a uh, discrepancy in their thoughts as far as how they should practice, yeah. and uh, I just think right now that uh, they're going to de- need more discipline. And uh, Aaron Rodgers has to have uh, a little more of an attitude of uh, who the boss is. Do you think they go back to the playoffs this year? Uh, I can see they have uh, have enough talent to do that. Uh, that's not what I asked you. Do you think they're going to make the playoffs? <laughs> um, I think that, uh, yeah, I, I think they could be a contender in the playoffs if they stay injured. Okay. Okay. Thanks for calling. There's all sorts of variables, and that's why it's fun. You know, we're all we're all armchair quarterbacks. You know, beforehand. I, again, I, look. I I hope they have a great season. I mean, I hope they go sixteen and zero. I think um, just and and if they do, I'll, I'll be thrilled. If you were saying, Jeff, if you're a betting guy, and by the way, I am a betting guy. I mean, my inclination would be, I, I think they're going to be better than last year. I'm not sure they're going to be able to seriously challenge for the playoffs or to advance very far in the playoffs because I think, again, historically they might be a year away. But I hope I'm wrong, and it all starts tonight on WTMJ. Hey, one quick note before I take a break: uh, Dow Jones up big. You know, we talk about it when it goes down big. Um, up 341 points right before the close. Even more significantly, the Nasdaq up 168. That's a two percent increase, 2.2 percent increase. So um, again, some bad news earlier this week. Um, we're finishing the week with some better news. When we come back, we'll find out what John and Melissa have on their minds. Please stick around.